0: Welcome to Board With Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the Frank Abagnale to my Pan American Airways. Josh, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you for changing that top part.
0: <laughs> no, no problem at all, man. No problem. Hey, we, we are flexible. We fix things. That's what we do on this uh, show. I
1: didn't even see that. I, I'm doing okay. okay. I'm doing okay. It's been a long weekend. Um, we went to the Boston Museum of Science yesterday, and we thought it would be smarter to take uh, the subway in. It would be my <laughs> son's first time on the subway. How was that? Uh, well... Uh, <laughs> They're working. Uh, no surprise in Boston, they're constantly working. uh things. so. A large part of the subway line was shut down. So <laughs> instead of one subway train to the Museum of Science, we it took us three different trains and a coach bus to get there. Nice. And then the same back. So two hours instead of 40 minutes. So uh, it, was, it was a long <laughs> day. <laughs> but... It was worth it. My son had an absolute blast on the, uh, you know, on the train. He loves trains. So right. It was a really big. It was. It was. It was almost worth it for it to see him that happy. Almost.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was interesting because I that happens when I go to Minneapolis or something. They have light rail and all this good stuff, and I feel like without fail, every time I go. Wherever I happen to be staying, the light rail that is connected to that or is easily accessible that way is having some sort of construction done Yeah, without fail. And it's how it's like, man, I, I stayed where I was or I chose to stay where I did. So I wasn't right downtown so I could use the light rail. And now I have to, like, take a bus to get to point here and then jump on this light rail and then get off and go over to this other one. Whereas before, it was just one straight shot. And that's why I chose to stay where I was staying. And, yeah, it's stupid.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, I, I don't know. It, you know, there's always things to complain about, right? So that that would, is that's true. my thing to complain about.
0: <laughs> and I guess it's good that they're working on trying to maintain it and keep it high quality and working. That is good. That is the thing. They yeah, should do. there you go. <laughs> so just do it on my schedule, please. Right?
1: <laughs> exactly. I am. Yes, you're right. I'm number one.
0: <laughs> so, Josh, it was Valentine's Day this past uh, Friday.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: How how was your Valentine's Day?
1: It's great. I was working the whole night. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. We didn't do anything for Valentine's Day. We're just you know we were both working that night, um, so it was uneventful.
0: Okay, so you know we have President's Day, which is the day after we record this. Yes, you know you have Labor Day, Memorial Day, all which have very you know specific meanings, and some of them very very important meanings. It, is Valentine's Day the worst holiday?
1: Uh, no, I don't think it's the worst holiday. At least I get why people don't like it, but it does okay. it does give uh people that reminder to take care of the person in their life if they don't always do that or an extra um gesture right. to, to that person. So I do I do understand that aspect of it, but like we don't live by the I don't love my wife if I don't take her out on Valentine's Day kind of thing. Right. So it's not super important to us. But if we can gotcha. go out to dinner, we also wouldn't go out on Valentine's Day because every place, you get to make reservations weeks ahead of time. And, yeah. and as we talked about at my job, the food is not going to be good on Valentine's Day because every place is rushing for right. to get people in and out so quickly. Just go the right. week after.
0: <laughs> That's very true. So if you had to pick a worst holiday, and I know this is more of a board with everything topic, but we're here, so we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, if you had to pick a worst holiday, what would it be?
1: It was probably Columbus Day, right?
0: That's what I was going to go <laughs> with. So I am on the same page there. Okay, Columbus Day, you're you're the bottom of the heap.
1: Yeah, I think we're so. we we should be it's twenty twenty now, right? We should be moving on from celebrating uh, Christopher Columbus.
0: Yeah. So unless it's the I,
1: director, and we can just make it a Harry Potter holiday, I suppose.
0: that we could, yeah. I think <laughs> Do you wonder if that's why he goes by Chris Columbus
1: because he doesn't want to go by Christopher Columbus, yeah, probably, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, but you get President's Day off, right?
1: yeah, and I thought it was funny that your state is so political and you don't have
0: yeah, we don't president the day, day off. off. It's a little no. weird, <laughs> well, I was trying to think back because I worked at you know in higher ed for a long time, I don't know that I've ever had President's Day off. I could be wrong, maybe I did in other states I worked, but I don't remember having enough m l k we've always had off. But I don't remember having President's Day off.
1: Well, you don't know what you're missing.
0: I mean, I guess so. Lots of sales. I, yeah. <laughs> Excellent car sales. I could go buy cars or furniture, and I'm missing out on that. Yeah, that's too bad for me. Well, hey, enough of all these shenanigans that we always start with. Thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter, or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone else who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. And final reminder, Meta Spring 2020 is in full swing. So please make sure you get your entries in for that. You can win some awesome prizes. uh, And it's just bit.ly slash Metaspring, which is B-I-T dot L-Y slash M-E-T-A-S-P-R-I-N-G, all lowercase. It's also our pinned tweet, Uh, so make sure you are getting those entries done. Uh, they are due, I believe it is March 8th, whatever that Sunday is, by 11.59 p.m., so make sure you are getting those entries into us. Uh Josh, it is a board game slash video game week as far as what we've been playing, mm. so what have you gotten to your tabletop lately, sir? Well, once again,
1: nothing that I intended to get to my tabletop, so <laughs> there's always that. Um, <clears throat> last week I did get a, a three-player game of Quacks of Quedlinburg going, um, and I will say I enjoyed it just as much, if not more, because the spells vary based on the player count, mm-hmm. so they do different things, uh, so right. it, was, it was like a whole new game, uh, essentially, uh, playing, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, My wife wants to look into the, the upgraded, like, Meeple Realty pieces or Meeple Source, uh, mm-hmm. whatever's out there. So, um, that was a great time. And then uh, uh, nothing extra to report from that. Um, and then last night was our big Gloomhaven night, our monthly get-together. And we we kind of shoehorned in an extra um, scenario, which we probably shouldn't have done. <laughs>
0: um I saw you posting still at like 2 a.m. or something. Yeah,
1: we went until 2 a.m. Uh, it was a long night. Uh, we started at 8 p.m. Uh, so, yeah, uh, my uh, our first party member retired, so we got to open the town records in Gloomhaven, which is a new um, uh, story element, lots of flavor text and um, backstory for the town of Gloomhaven, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, My buddy went with the human scoundrel as his character, uh, which was interesting because you start at a very low level compared to everyone else. Right. You kind of have to work your way back up to like the same party level. Um, But what's good is the bad guys scale down. Okay. uh, A little bit. Uh, I think they scaled down one level. So we were two level five characters and he was a level two character. Uh, So not only was that a challenge for him, but... He has to learn a whole new skill set and like his moves are totally different from his last character, which was a spell spell slinger character. Now he's a dagger throwing, um well, scoundrel. So more like a, more (laughs) like a rogue type character. Right, right, right. Um, but that was fun. We, our first mission, we actually uh, completed pretty well, uh, pretty well, pretty good, pretty quickly, pretty, uh, a better word that is not coming to my thesaurus. Successfully? Brain. <laughs> we successfully completed the first one. Um, nice. So, yeah, we did, uh, We uh, one of our guys leveled up, so we decided, you know, we still have some time, we'll play another uh, uh, round, and we, <laughs> we decided to do two-story um, missions. So, you know, these aren't like our side quests where we can kind of one and done it. They're a little bit more heavy, uh, thematically, and you typically have harder bosses. And this one, uh, it came down to we all had one health left. Uh, and it wasn't even the last round. We were like only halfway through the oh, goodness. round counter. So yeah. we were all about to die, literally. Uh, we all had to be – we had to cleanse water portals, and, and uh, they, they managed to get it off at the last moment. So we succeeded that as well. Uh, but because it was so late, we didn't really uh, spend too much time on the cleanup or all the you know post game stuff. So we haphazardly threw all the pieces back together in the broken to- token thing. And it's Perfect. pretty much a mess. Um, but yeah, it was a great time. We had a lot of fun. Still having great, uh, having a great time. And um, yeah, it's again that keeps on giving. There's so many new things that happen, and we keep unlocking things, which is always exciting because you have so many choices when you start your next game uh, so it's great uh, still Gloomhaven if you can get it and you think you can dedicate time to playing it so you know it's such an easy recommendation and worse it seems we're so far away from Heart of the Lion like we're closer to the Frosthaven Kickstarter than we are to the light yeah. Gloomhaven game so uh, <laughs> it seems it's I, it's a bummer to have to like recommend waiting for Heart of the Lion for people who want to get in Right. But it's also the only real affordable way to do that right now. True. Unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Just just uh two games. Uh and I got trial, I think I said I have trial by trolley came in on Kickstarter. I actually saw a bunch of them at my local FLGS for mm-hmm. sale, so people are getting it in retail as well. Um but yeah, that's it. What about you guys?
0: Awesome. Well, I had my in-laws stop in about a week ago or so. They were here for the weekend. And my in-laws do enjoy playing some board games, which is always a fun time. But that typically means we're dusting off some oldies-but-goodies, if you would, in order to ensure uh, their games that they enjoy and they already know how to. My father-in-law in in particular is not super keen on learning new games. He kind of likes to play things he already knows how to play. So that meant we played a little bit of Catan. And I'll be honest, I haven't played Catan in a while. Do you remember the last time you played Catan, Josh? It's
1: actually been... Uh, relatively recently, uh, within, um, within a year from today. Okay. I just, don't, I don't remember then. the specific date.
0: Yeah. And I think Katan what always surprises me, because i maybe play it once a year or so, I'm always surprised at how enjoyable that game really actually is yeah it's a fun game it really is and we played a couple rounds of it uh keeping track of my stats on bg stats um and i will say the one thing that's interesting though about playing with people who maybe don't quote unquote min max as much as other people do is that they sometimes especially with initial settlement placements just pick things that are wacky and then you're because, you know, I one of the times I went first, so I put my first one down and put my row down and then waited, you know, while they did their ladder thing. And before I picked mine spot, I kind of isolated, okay, here are probably the best three spots on the board. I'm going to pick this one because I think it's going to be best. And then everyone else went, but they had picked spots, not in what I presume to be the best spot or best remaining spots, but ones that were one spot away from those so that you couldn't take the best one anymore and one of them i very distinctly remember uh was a spot that had i can't remember what the numbers that were there but they moved down just one from it and it made it instead of butting up on an eighth it was like butting up on like a four and I was like, and the other two numbers were the same because it was still touching those two pieces. And I was like, why would you do that? Like, why would you take the one <laughs> that statistically that number is just going to come? And it, it wasn't a resource that suddenly was really fitting into their strategy. It wasn't like they were going with the all ore and wheat strategy just to make cities and buy development cards and, and try to go that way. So I just didn't know what to do. I, I was like, how do you play <laughs> with people who don't have a strategy? So I, I lost bad, real, real, real bad. Every time I tried to do something, they would block me, but not intending to, just because they thought it seemed like a good idea. And, ah, man, it was rough. I did not do well in any of the games. Um It was funny, too, because my father-in-law was talking about how I really hold a grudge against people. And they were hosing me for no reason. <laughs> like, like <laughs> my partner was way in first place. Way in first place. And they roll seven for the robber and then hose me. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm not I'm like I'm in last place by a ton. And wow. they're like, well, you might have the resource that I need. I'm like, so might she. <laughs> she might too. Have you not been paying attention to the numbers that have been rolled? And yeah, it <laughs>
1: Clearly, really in like your gaming life. history with them, you made an impression on them that makes them want to constantly go after you.
0: <laughs> I know, I know, and I do know the one situation that it was, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I couldn't believe it, and I really like my in-laws. I'm not saying like they just play games so differently because they just play to have fun, and they're like, let's see how this goes, yeah, and it's not
1: that gall. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why? How dare you have fun playing a game? (laughs) Uh, But it's just they they are there for the camaraderie of us all sitting together around a table and having conversation. And they just don't care so much about the strategy of it. But it makes it, when you're trying to play with a strategy and trying to do well, it makes it really hard. Like, playing against randomness is one of the most challenging things. When you just can't anticipate what the person's going to do because it just doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, it's the equivalent
1: of a button masher in a fighting game.
0: Yeah, like I, I'm like, okay. Here are all the things that would make sense for this person to do, and they don't do any of them. They do something completely different. And, and how do you plan for that? How do you? And granted, it definitely worked for me to lose really, really well. So I guess if that was their goal, they mission accomplished there. But I still really enjoy Catan. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a quote unquote gateway game. Uh, it might. I really still like it. I think it really holds up. Um, i kind of my version of this game is so beat up though it's been played so much and i didn't really realize it until i had pulled it out this time and it's probably one of the games i've owned for the longest so it makes sense but man is it in rough shape it's been well well loved though it's funny because all of the cards are sleeved really? so all of the little itzy busy mini cards are sleeved yeah but the uh, pieces itself are in pretty rough shape the board pieces so um so played some katan also played some pandemic uh which i think i played not all that long ago as well um. yeah, I don't know what it was with this ver- this time of playing pandemic. I still like the game. It just felt super easy. And I don't know if it was just because we had the right characters and we got uh, some very fortunate uh, infections and, and where and where mm-hmm. things were. but in li- about three turns we have two- we had two diseases cured and eradicated. Wow. Like So that was pretty ridiculous. So it made the kind of the rest of the game not too bad. But still enjoy Pandemic, though. Still good. Uh, I kind of sometimes forget how old that game is. Like, I know Catan is old, but I sometimes forget how old this base Pandemic is. Um, and it is interesting because the more I play Pandemic, the more I go to playing just the base game, even though we have, I think, every, if not every, close to, if not every expansion, we pretty much just play the base game.
1: Yeah, I think I so. played ooh, On the Brink, is that the one with the... To Bioterrorist?
0: I think so, yes. We
1: played that once, and uh, I just we just enjoyed the game without that so much that we just never played yeah. it again.
0: So, yeah. So, those are kind of a couple things I got to the table. But the big thing that I got to the table, I don't know that I've talked about this on the podcast at all yet.
1: No, just that you were debating on playing it or not.
0: Yeah. So, um, started and jumped into Machi Koro Legacy. Uh, I've been playing this actually for, started actually back in last year. Um, uh, but didn't get very far with it. Have a group of people who are coming over and playing with, so we are playing it with four people. nice. Um, so they came over today. We got into it a little further. So we have finished eight games. Oh. Um, there are ten games that that are part of the campaign or however you want to look at it. Um, obviously, you know, I don't want to necessarily go into giving a lot of credit to certain individuals with this game because a uh, significant amount of controversy around one of the designers. but I had this game prior to that, and I decided, hey, I have it. The folks at Pandasaurus work really hard on it. Um, There's no reason for me not to play it. Um, I will say there have been a couple things that are kind of interesting that, you know, as any legacy game, you open the box and there's all these little boxes inside there that are closed, that have numbers on them, that you, you know, break open throughout the course of the game. They give new rules and stuff. And I'm not going to talk about any of the spoilers, so don't worry about that. Uh, but I will say that is very interesting because they, in opening some of these boxes and then reading the instructions, there have been times where there are clearly parts missing. Oh no! And then so I did some googling online, and this is a thing. Like there are parts that just don't exist that are supposed to come with the game sometimes. Oh boy! So <laughs> luckily, it hasn't been anything that we can't easily reproduce in some way, or or make work in another way. Uh, but that's just a little bit disappointing when you're it, you get the excitement of opening this thing up and then you're reading and then all you have is confusion because it just there's just stuff isn't there that it says it's there and it's like do this and you're like but with what how is that there's acceptable? Nothing... <laughs> yeah, and, and oh man, that's yeah. Terrible. So and the thing is, is there are well, they say hey we'll send you this stuff out, but well I'm in the middle of the game, you know. So like yes, it would be nice to get this in X amount of time, but. That doesn't do me any good right now, you know. I'm because you open these in the middle of a round. It's not like you do the, you know. So, (laughs) so that's a little disappointing. And and, you know, I something that I understand there are errors in manufacturing, but it's not like this is a one off. This is a thing that has happened uh, to many people. You can find it online, Uh, uh, and it's interesting too because then there's other things that you have extra of. So there are things that like you don't have enough, and other things that you have too much. So. That's a little bit of a bummer. But like I said, so far for that stuff, there hasn't been anything that it has uh, made it so we couldn't continue with the game. Everything that has been not been there, um, we were still able to continue and, and play the game and do all of that. It plays pretty much like base Machi Koro, not like Machi Koro with expansions. Um Difference being, base Machi Koro, you have out like X number 10, I think it is. Different buildings that you can buy. The entire, at least so far through eight games, um, this plays like the base game, not where you mix everything together and then wait and then draw cards until you have 10 unique buildings. This is just you have everything out that's available to buy all the time. Um, And that's about all I'll say. I don't, like I said, I don't want to spoil um, what happens within the Legacy concept, other than I will say they do some things that are interesting. They definitely have taken some approaches to the gameplay that I did not expect. So that's cool, uh, but it always feels like Machi Koro. Even though you're doing different things, even though they introduce new mechanics, even though they introduce a ton of different flavors, the game always feels like Machi Koro, which I think I think is good. I think depending on if you were looking for significant changes over time, you might be a little bit disappointed by that. But I think the nice thing of it is if you come to the game because you like the flavor and the way it feels and the mechanisms behind it. You're always going to have those things as you play this game, which is nice, um, but it still does feel different. You, there was a thing that happened recently that uh, changed everyone's strategy. Wow. We were, had been playing kind of a certain way, and this thing happened, which didn't seem like a big deal. Uh, but then the next game, immediately after basically two times were on the table, everyone changed how they were playing just to adjust to this other thing that had happened now, um, which is cool that you still feel like you're playing the game, but now you're playing the game maybe in a different way or then in a different way than you had intended. So like I said, through eight games, so two more to go. Um, and it's also been pretty evenly divided too. I think um, one person has won three times, two people won twice, and one person has won once. Oh, wow. So it's not that it's you know super one-sided or super lopsided as far as how things are going. Um, and the what you get for winning is kind of cool, But it also doesn't break the game so that obviously you're going to be the person who's going to continue to win most of the time. It doesn't give you super significant advantages, um, but it does cause other people to have to potentially adjust how they're playing in the next game um, based on some choices that you make. So Machi Koro Legacy, overall, if you enjoy Machi Koro, I definitely recommend it. Uh, Like I said, just be careful. There has been a few, it seems like, printing issues. I don't know if that's just the print run I got. I don't know if that's been completely resolved. Um, But if you do look online, A, be careful for spoilers, but B, it definitely seems like some people... Not just one or two. That there, there is definitely some, a few printing issues as far as components and making sure everything that needs to be in the box is in there. Uh, but like I said, even when we didn't maybe get everything, there was nothing that prevented us from continuing to play the game. So, ah, Machi Koro Legacy, you have this, yes? I don't. I haven't bought oh, it yet. I've considered okay.
1: it, but now if I get it, I'm just gonna email them right away and say, "Hey, I didn't get these pieces," and then I'll just have. But them you send me won't it. know.
0: Well, I'll know. I just like online for the common ones. But then you might get spoiled. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you don't want to do that Um, because you'll get spoiled. I guess that's true.
1: But see, the difference is it'll be just me and my wife playing, and if I get to a point where. I'm supposed to open the box and, and the things aren't in there. I'm probably just going to stop playing the game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to, we could talk offline and I can kind of explain what it is in a little more detail without spoiling anything. Well,
1: we'll, see. we'll cross that bridge if I get it.
0: Okay, uh, that sounds like a plan.
1: I, You know, yeah, I still want to get it. It's definitely appealing to me. But I guess when you said it's still Machikoro at the end of the day, like, I think the big question is now, do I want to play 10 games of Machikoro? Have it's you 10, not played right? ten
0: games of Machi Koro? Yes, yeah, ten.
1: No, I mean we've played Machi Koro, but like this was the whole red card issue. Like,
0: oh right, right, right. I almost right.
1: broke up my marriage game, <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I don't know. Well, I, here hmm, I know you I don't say. have
1: to choose red cards in this one. I know that.
0: Yeah, so I saying, they, they handle that in an interesting way. So I think if that has been a problem before, and you both recognize it's a problem, <laughs> it may not be a problem in this version of the game. And I'll just leave it at that. Cool. Awesome. All right. So I think that's been everything for our tabletop. Josh, what have you been playing on your television?
1: Well, first off, I want to apologize. I noticed earlier my headphone cable was swinging into my mic. So there's going to be like two or three spots where you just hear (laughs) either (laughs) while you're talking, while I'm talking, or while no one's talking. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Okay. That being said. So video games, again, um, weird two weeks for me. Not a lot of video games, at least diversely. Mm-hmm. Um, I played uh, Apex Legends as started Season 4, so I played a bunch of Season 4. They just did duos uh, over the Valentine's Day weekend, uh, including now. I think it's still going on. So I played some duos as well. Um, I jumped in a game with uh, Nathan from PSVG and one of his friends, and we pulled out a victory uh, in our last game, which was nice. Nice. Um Still a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's still that game I can pick up, play a game once a uh, every once a day, every day of the week, and still feel like I'm getting my investment out of it. Like I buy the battle pass, and and that's me giving them you know ten twenty bucks every three months, which is I think acceptable. <laughs> right, right, right. For the quality I'm getting out of the game, um, and I really like what they're doing. They keep adding crazy things to the game there's even a wolf now that like mysteriously shows up on the map sometimes that people don't know what it's for oh interesting And it's never in front of you it's just always like in the background of like the map running by like people so i like the story they're telling and the mysteries they're like winding in there um and then the most the time i've spent the most with video games in the past two weeks has been horizon zero Dawn. Uh, in fact, I completed it again. Nice for the second. So for the second time, I have completed uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I completed New Game Plus this time. Uh, I did not do the Frozen Wilds during my the main campaign. I just kind of wanted to hit that main campaign, finish the story. So I I completed that uh it still feels real great um uh, in fact i might have even liked it a little bit more uh this time than i did the first time which is almost impossible to say considering how high i hold that game um so i started frozen wilds today just very 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 briefly um mm-hmm. uh, because i had to get going on my day uh and yeah it's right away the first the first i run into a new machine type and it's very difficult and it spits fire at me. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh,
0: perfect.
1: But yeah, uh, I lo- I'm still loving it. And uh, I know Kevin Austin from, from PSVG prime is playing it now for the first time. And that really excites me to hear that people are playing it for the first time. And I really, really hope that it is coming to PC and soon because I would love to get some of those PC players, uh, playing this game as well, because I am quite fond of it.
0: So, Josh, answer me a question. You got it. You know, we're kind of at a point right now where game releases are a little slow right now. There's not a, There are things coming out, obviously, but nothing that is necessarily quote unquote triple A or kind of that really super highly anticipated game. Uh depending on kind of where you sit, that might not be until, you know, early March, mid-March that we're gonna really start to have those. How you know, we this has kind of been one of the slower periods we've had for a while. We haven't had this much time without a major release in some time. One could maybe argue about Dragon Ball Z cockerop, but Sure, I'll, so I'll was,
1: argue <laughs> against
0: it. <laughs> yeah, this was the time, Josh, and I had even said this too, Like, this is the time where we should go back and dust off that backlog and really get those games done that we've been meaning to and play those games that we've been meaning to, and I just really wasn't feeling it. Yeah. Were you in the
1: same boat? Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with you 100%. It's just, yeah, I feel this. I was just going to, I'm basically going to reiterate what you're saying. I just don't know what it is or why. It's just a feeling.
0: Right. Because I was scrolling through my library on PlayStation and on Xbox and looking at all these games. I'm like, man, I know I still want to play that. I really still want to play that. That's a game I want to play. I want to play this thing, but I don't want to play any of them right now. Yeah. And that was just a really (laughs) weird feeling. So. It's kind of like that situation where I have not a ton to do, so I don't really want to do anything. where when I have a ton of things to do, I want to do everything. Yeah, yeah. And I and it's just so odd that maybe it's just I'm enjoying the break because I haven't been playing all that much video games actually.
1: It's not a bad thing. I mean, I I'm I need to decide. I, I'm going to guess Frozen Wilds isn't very long, so I have to decide so. what I'm going to start next. Because right. Frozen Wilds is a, essentially it appears to be. A side quest based on yeah. what it looks like on on the uh, uh, um, on the on the quest log map thingy. Um, so yeah, I don't know what I want to do next. Like everyone's jumping on the Division Two now because it's literally three dollars. Yep. So I did reinstall it because I'm I'm all on board with playing more of that game because that's a game that like I didn't play mm-hmm. super like a lot of. I played as much as I could enjoy single player. Right. And then we played a little bit together, but, you know, we just didn't have the time or don't have the time. Like, we should probably try to get – like, we did our little um, Man of Medan, but that was easy because we just had to right. play two weekends in a row and we were done. It's not like the division. <laughs> I don't well, think we could I think do we, that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think we probably could have powered through that in one night and we'd known yeah. how close we were to the end <laughs> we, when we stopped.
1: We certainly could have. Um so yeah, and like I'm toying on getting Dark Genesis just because I like that style of game. Yep. Um, um, I'm I'm having these weird like FOMO moments. Like I'm seeing Donnie and Kevin play um Zom- Zombie Army Trilogy or Zombie Army Four. Right. And then I'm like, oh, I want to get that. But then I was like, but wait a second, I had Z- Zombie Army Trilogy Three, and I couldn't get a single soul to play with me. Right. So is this just going to repeat that same thing? Right. I could play Mass Effect Andromeda finally. Yeah. Um, but will I? <laughs> <laughs> um so this I feel the same way. I have a lot of things that I could potentially do after this and and I don't know if I'm going to, what I'm going to do, if anything, and I keep hovering over Ghost Recon Breakpoint. I don't know oh,
0: <laughs> But it's still $20. Oh.
1: And I almost bought the $40, $119 version for 40 bucks, And I was just well, going to be like, bad. Kyle, I did a thing. Don't ask me why. <laughs> um, um, so I'm still hovering over that, too. So we'll see what happens.
0: Well, in regards to Zombie Army Trilogy 4 or Zombie Army 4 yeah, or whatever that no game is called. No on trilogy that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, just play world war z dude
1: i know i know and i enjoyed world war z
0: yeah but there's no so, zombie tracks in world war z that that is true <laughs> that is true i think that's the hard part is that there are a ton of games you know and we were talking earlier today but there are a ton of games that i would like to play with you and our schedules just don't match. like anytime our schedules match up is when we're podcasting
1: and that's about it yeah it's sunday night right that's it yeah
0: so <laughs> um well, all that to be said is that you know I, I was looking at all these things to play and all these things that I should play, and I had started Shadow of uh, War, which I told people, and I'm still kind of working my way through that game, but I, I don't know. Something about it just wasn't h- grabbing me anymore as, as tightly as it had been after the first 10 hours or so. Uh, so I finally decided to pay in one of my many video game promises. I know I have one to pay it back to you still here. Uh, but to for Donnie, uh, I finally played Life is Strange Before the Storm, uh, if you are a listener to any of the PSVG stuff that Donnie is on, you obviously know that Donnie is I, I definitely the biggest Life is Strange fan I know. Uh I I know there are probably many other people out there who love it as much as he does. And I enjoyed the first one a lot. I enjoyed Life is Strange. I thought it was a uh enjoyable narrative experience. I know that some people kind of bagged on the writing a little bit, and I get it. And I was will say Life is Strange before the storm isn't necessarily much better as far as that goes, but there's just something about these characters. So before the storm takes place, before the original Life is Strange, uh, and oddly enough, I downloaded Life is Strange 2 now as well, so that is ready to go, Um, just because I really enjoyed playing this game. It it was nice and fun to kind of sit down uh, and be in that world again and (laughs) have them say hella and (laughs) things like that because, you know, that's what they do. Um, And it's interesting because Ashley Birch actually wrote this one. Um, So yeah, she was the writer for this one because this happened uh, when this game was announced was when the strike was going on. So she couldn't do the voice acting for it. So she was the writer for it other than there's one bonus episode called Farewell that she then does the voice acting for because that was afterwards. Uh, So the writing though still feels true. Like it it definitely feels like Chloe um, and it kind of really is everything that leads up to... What happens then in the first Life is Strange is what is covered in this game and I don't really want to talk all that much about it because obviously it's huge spoilers overall though if you enjoy narrative based adventure games there's not any really puzzle solving for the most part or anything in these is very much is about experiencing the story kind of just being there with these characters, learning about them, going through and experiencing their lives with them. This is another good entry in that series. Uh it was on Game Pass, it no longer is, but you can get it. It's on sale for very very cheap all the time. I think it even might be right now on PSN as we talk. But I recommend it. So if these are things if maybe you were a fan of Telltale and you know they obviously have had their ups and downs about their games and you know obviously we are getting some things here in the future, but if that's something you miss um, I think Life is Strange is an easy recommendation. One thing these games do very, very well uh, is how they incorporate audio, specifically music, into their mood setting. Yeah, uh, And they do a fantastic job with it in the first one. And in Before the Storm, it is no exception. The music in the game is exceptionally done. Uh, and the characters are just... For all the... <laughs> for all of the cringy moments that there might be with dialogue and sometimes like things like that in this game, uh, the characters are still really, really endearing. And the thing that is nice about these is there was only one time I can think of that. I made a decision and then we had a conversation later that was not in, it did not jive with the decision that I had made, right? That I had said to do this one thing. And then I had a conversation with someone minutes later and it's like that previous thing that I had done and said didn't even exist anymore and I think that's kind of one of the hard things with these style of games and one time did that happen while I was playing this game that I was like wait a second this doesn't make any sense <laughs> why was it why are they acting the way they are yeah. based off of what we did before but overall really enjoyed it and I'm actually excited to play the second one as a result of this it kind of scratched that itch for me um, so this might be kind of how I'm spending my time moving forward uh, but that's Life is Strange Before the Storm. Definitely a recommendation there. Outside of that, mostly what I've been doing what I've been playing is I've been playing multiplayer stuff. So back in, playing a lot of Overwatch with Overwatch League starting. Um, been spending a lot of time there. Interestingly enough, they had a developer update a couple weeks ago where they talked about how they're going to try to balance and patch the game more often. Uh, and so far, that is holding true. They are giving balance patches. I think there's been two or three in the last two weeks which for them is ridiculous. Wow, that's a lot for um, that, anything. Yeah, so they definitely are pushing things a little bit faster uh and trying to balance the game which is cool. Um and then also kind of back into that Modern Warfare Season 2 has started with their battle pass. Uh I'm th- their battle pass progression is still not good. I don't one of the people I play with, he has I think double the time in the game overall than I do or close to double. And granted, we started playing... The first Battle Pass wasn't out right away, so it's kind of hard to say, oh, look at the number of hours that we have. But when I bought the Battle Pass, I bought the it with like the 20-level boost, so you get the first 20 levels included. Yeah. So there's 80 more levels to the Battle Pass. I think I finished Season 1 with... I was on level 70-something. So I had done 50-some wow. levels, but I had spent... At least 60, maybe closer to 70 hours on the game. That's a lot of time. And I get that. And it was a little better than I thought it was going to be. But, man, that's a lot of – like, if you figure if I didn't – if I hadn't done the 20-level boost, I would have been in the level 50-ish range. (laughs) And I understand there are people who are going to blow through 200 hours in, you know, the six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. I, I get that. Yeah. But, man, it really sucks when the only answer is spend a ton of time, more time than you can possibly have, or give us money. Is like your time it.
1: spent playing it enjoyable, and or are you winning? Like, how's that How's that time spent?
0: For the most part, it's good. There definitely have been some days that have been frustrating. I will say I'm getting – I am playing much better than I was definitely from when the game came out. When the game came out, um, my kill-to-death ratio was super bad. Um and obviously that's not everything but my win percentage was really bad as well. Um both like my KD was like at 0.75 and my win percentage was probably in the low 70s. Um I just looked for like my last week of playing my K- my KD is now like 1.3 um and my win percentage is like 0.93. So I'm not quite even but I'm like significantly up in both areas. <laughs> so um I think that's the hard thing though is that matchmaking in Call of Duty is 100% based off of ping, right? Yeah. They just want people who have great ping. Last night we I played a game um of of it and it was literally a lobby it was 6v6, five people on the other team were playing together.
1: Yeah. Okay. And
0: every everyone else on our t- like everyone on our team was alone. Like yeah. we were just, you know, f- Five, six people hanging out playing some Call of Duty. We got our... We got stomped. It wasn't even... Like... And I, I... Like, I personally did okay. But it wasn't even... It wasn't that fun. Like, nothing about it was fun. Because the spawns in the game are still so bad that we were, like, pinned in our spawn. And we lost 75 to 70. So, it's not like we got destroyed. Yeah. But then, you know, you go into the post-game lobby and the other team is just talking crap to you. And you're like hey, you're five people who are running together and you beat a random group of six by five points. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's something to brag about, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So, but that's just one thing, you know, that you can't compare everything apples to apples, but that's the nice thing about Overwatch is that, you know, it's 6v6, but usually it'll be like, oh, your group of three will match you with another group of three, and you're also going to play against two groups of three.
1: Right. Yeah. You know?
0: And it's not hundred percent of the time that it works, but that's what the matchmaker tries to do: is looks at your skill rating and your grouping together. Um, and that's not always perfect. There are definitely times when that's problematic, but I think that's better <laughs> than being like, "Hey, a group of five versus you random six group." Like yeah. that just doesn't seem to work out super well. Um, and the thing that's interesting too is that in Overwatch, if you have a group of like five people playing together. And it can't find another group of five to match you against. Say it matches you against like three groups of two, it will match you against three groups of two of people who are better, are higher skill oh. than your group of five because it thinks that teamwork like has increases your skill if you're playing with people you know. Yeah, for sure. Like, and like play with regularly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing that actually got a lot of people really upset that it would do that. But that's what Overwatch's matchmaking does. So, you know, like anytime you go into a match and you're like, oh boy, a group of six. Your heart always sinks a little bit. But then I always am like, well, maybe theoretically, like, we're a whole bunch of groups, two, and they're a group of six. That means they should all be really bad. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And then you lose to the people who you think are supposed to be really <laughs> bad, and then you feel really bad about yourself. But anyway, all of those gripes aside, I am still having fun with the game, obviously, because I'm still playing it. Something mm. about Call of Duty is just very satisfying. Um, It's just so swingy. I wish it was more consistent Uh, in how I felt while playing it. Uh, but overall, things are better. Uh, season 2, it looks like the Battle Royale is going to be coming sometime during this season based off of a lot of hints and blacked out parts of the menu yeah. and all those other things. So I'll be very interested to see if that happens, especially since they're still supporting um, Blackout. Yeah. Like, that's still a thing that's being supported. So it'll be very interesting to see if there's basically two Call of Duty Well, And, um, and their app is Battle, Battle Royale Royales. too,
1: right? What's that? The app, the mobile game is about it. Yeah.
0: And the mobile, yeah. So, like, it'll be very interesting to see if all that stuff is. Speaking of which, did you hear anything about that Activision, about their conference call or their earnings call? No. So, they talked about Activision talked about on their earnings call, you know, which is obviously Activision Blizzard. uh, They talked about for Call of Duty that there's, you know, 40 million people playing Call of Duty on PC uh, and console. But that there are 100 million people playing Call of Duty on mobile. And as a result of that, the, Activision is going mobile first for all of their games moving forward. Oh, boy. I mean... That they are developing games with mobile in mind, and that console, etc. is secondary to them now moving forward.
1: I mean, I get they have to make money, but... Uh... I don't know. their they, Their track record's been rough the past two years as, as a company. So I don't know if this is going to help them with their with the public view. I know it'll help right. them financially, which is what they. Which I get it. Like I don't. I can't blame them for that. But right. I I don't ever want to hear any video game company saying mobile's number one for us.
0: <laughs> well, and I mean, it makes sense that was an investor call, right? But I mean, it makes sense why two years ago they were talking about Diablo on mobile yeah yeah, yeah. At blizzcon you know and now if, you know if call of duty mobiles where are they going to start pushing things and i obviously i think they're still going to make you know video games and console games it just you know it's really hard to argue against 100 million people yeah. even when you're, you're the biggest quote-unquote console game seven of the top 10 games of the de- selling games of the decade yep. were call of duty games but still that can't compete with how much they're they're doing with mobile, which is kind of mind-blowing.
1: I wonder what will happen once, like, xCloud and stuff starts picking up, how that will affect the mobile gaming when you can actually play the full high-res Call of Duty experience instead of their mobile game.
0: Yeah, but I got to imagine, though, right, that I haven't played the Call of Duty mobile game, but yeah. it has to be built, I'm assuming, for mobile controls, right? Whereas if you put Modern Warfare on your phone, you still need a controller to play it. Yeah, you
1: can do both. You can do mobile controls, or you can do a controller for it.
0: But I can't imagine that mobile controls, when they're, like, slapped on, if you would, quote-unquote. Yeah. You know, like...
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. It doesn't control good, I can tell you that, because right. i played it, yeah. I know that if I, if I use a Bluetooth controller or the things that attach to my phone that make the buttons work that I know that the gameplay is better for people.
0: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the future holds. Yeah. I do really think though, with streaming stuff, what that's going to mean. It'll be very interesting to see as, as that comes forward into the future. So, all right, Josh, well, that's enough of the stuff we have been playing. Let's move on to our topic of the show. Board game expo is quickly approaching April 4th, and we suspect there might be some people who have no idea what this is. So first we wanted to go over some of the details of BGX, and then we're gonna talk uh, and pitch some of our own ideas to create the perfect con. Josh, do you want to explain to our dear listeners what BGX is?
1: I'll you know what? I'll I will explain to you what BGX is as explained by Board Game Expo. That so, sounds great. Um if you go to BoardgameExpo.com, you can get a lot more detail. I will paraphrase as do not plagiarize. <clears throat> so uh, basically, uh, what Board Game Expo is, is it's, it's a new, it's, it's like, kind of like Tabletop Day, if you're familiar with it. Uh, but what it is, is it's, uh, April 4th is the arbitrary date they picked for whatever reason, uh, where a hundred game stores across the country, which I don't know about you, but I didn't know if that was a large amount or a small amount. And I don't know if I still know if it's a large amount or a small amount. Right. So it's about two per state. Right. <laughs> um, we'll host. They can. They'll be hosting the the inaugural board game expo, which they're calling BGX. Um, it's it's being brought to everyone by Gaming Days LLC, uh, who are the people who did uh, Free RPG Day, which I I would argue is successful as my my local game shop does that. Mm-hmm. Um. And as as uh, they say, quote, uh, BGX will be an epic in store board game pre release event for select retail locations. So um, they are uh, the stores that are participating uh, will have the ability to have up to 11 uh, yet-to-be-released board game titles in limited quantities uh, available for purchase uh, a month or longer out from the actual release date of the game. Uh, so this is like, for people who aren't familiar, this is very similar to what happens at big conventions like uh, Gen Con Mm -hmm. or even PAX Unplugged um, in Essen, you typically will see uh, retailers selling games that aren't out yet. And sometimes uh, when I bought Dice Throne Season 1, or it wasn't even called Season 1 at that point, it was just Dice Throne, um, I didn't realize I bought that and Kickstarter people weren't even getting it for another month. Right. Uh, So that's also kind of interesting. Um, so another quote, I'm quoting them on this cause they're saying this, uh, quote, this is a big deal and the game titles are important releases for major publishers. Nothing at the scale of BGX 2020 has been done before. Um, there's also going to be promos. Uh, they're hinting at, uh, promos for, uh, uh, USAopoly's or the OPs, uh, Death Eaters Rising, which is the mm-hmm. Harry Potter version of Thanos Rises Rising or whatever it was called. Um, but yeah, it's basically uh, they're saying you know they created it to make uh, it, uh this an important celebration uh, for board game communities. Uh, I anticipate if this picks up, they will probably I I would bet they double the amount of retailers next year. Uh, right, because not a lot of people have participated in Tabletop Day. Originally, you had to start going and asking your stores, which I was in mind today. I really should have asked them if they were doing this um so i guess i'll just have to go back tomorrow and buy a new game and ask them tomorrow <laughs> uh so uh so i'll give you the rundown of the publishing partners and then um do you have the link for the announced games do you want to go over that after i do
0: yeah we can do that all right
1: cool so uh, our the publishing partners for the game uh the game day itself we have aeg running game studios i think that's a luma now we have Oni Games, Asmodee, Pandasaurus, WizKids, Red Raven, Looney Labs, simon Orcamon, and Lucky Duck Games. Um, there's also promo partners of USAopoly, Brotherwise Games, TW Games, which is Thunderworks Games, uh, Luma, and WizKids.
0: Indeed. And the games that they currently have announced that are going to be at BGX 2020... 2020- uh, Cosmic Encounter Duel. Uh, obviously, Cosmic Encounter, very, very popular game. The dual version of it just recently announced. Uh, and kind of is honestly a, a pretty big get for them. Yeah. Uh, T- Tang Garden, which was a r- pretty successful Kickstarter. Um, and actually, I think when I backed, question mark. How,
1: I yeah. Think I, I, was I think like I have this. On the line. I think I had to cancel it because um, uh, it got deluxified and I think it upped uh, the pledges. So I just, I ended up. But it's a game I really want, so.
0: Yeah, and I think that if I recall for this one, it is currently in en route. I think this shipped okay. from China prior to the Lunar New Year. Um, and if you listener, if you don't know, and this is a question I was going to ask Josh, um, obviously with the coronavirus, uh, I don't believe any factories are back up and running yet. Yeah, as far as I know, uh, no, one's, no one's doing so, anything right now. Yeah, no one's producing anything. So I am curious, though, for... If that might impact any of these games and their availability. Yeah, that's a good question. So, But anyway, Tank Garden, uh, Deep Vents, which is a game I had not heard of, I don't think. Uh, but you get to do ca- control a hydrothermal ecosystem with a host of strange and deadly predators, which sounds very cool. Yeah, and it's by um, Ryan Lockett, so It is right. Yeah, by Ryan up. Lockett. So that is awesome. Uh, Sim- Similo? Similo? How would you think you'd pronounce that?
1: similo similo miss
0: uh it's a cooperative deduction game and those are always fun deduction games are fun having them be cooperative is fun um so that's definitely something that's been announced uh loony labs tiny box of fun um which is obviously going to include some flux because why not uh sonora from the, the good folks at pandasaurus which is this is the flick and write game we had talked about a few weeks ago yes um on the show so very cool there Santa Monica from the folks at AEG, I believe, is where this is coming from. Um, And you get to create a bustling, uh, create a beach, if I recall correctly, is what you're doing. um, Is trying to create an appealing neighborhood, uh, beachfront neighborhood for folks, which is cool. Uh, Sugar Blast from the folks at Come On, which is kind of like a match three game, I think.
1: Yeah, it's basically like um, Candy Crush, the board game. Yeah,
0: the board game. Yep. Uh, Stampede from WizKids. Um, which I don't know a ton about, but it looks really pretty.
1: Yeah, it looks so, yeah. uh, kid-focused.
0: It does look like a yeah, a little bit more focused on kids. Um, Space Battle Lunchtime <laughs> Card Game, which is an intergalactic cooking competition show, which sounds pretty awesome, I have to say. That sounds kind of neat. And then Succulent, um, which was announced more kind of recently here by Renegade, um, which does look very, very pretty as well. And a game that has definitely gotten some interest because Renegade has been making some really, really quality games the last few years here. Uh, so Succulent is one of them. So overall, a uh, pretty solid lineup. Would you agree, Josh?
1: Yeah, it's actually very surprising, especially for the way that they're rolling this out. Um, I'm curious how how many copies these, these stores are getting and, and what that's going to look like. I, I'm wondering what's – I should go into my Game Store and ask them. Uh, what they're anticipating if they're doing it, because I'm curious are they anticipating to have to do numbers, lines? Like, right. what does this look like? And how engaged is, like, how engaged is your local board gaming community to the fact that they would, to the effect that they would actually line up for something like this?
0: For sure. So here's my question, though, that they have not announced who the retailers are yet.
1: Yeah. And I uh, I think that they're, uh, They want you to go and ask your stores if they're doing it, which makes me believe that they didn't get 100 yet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And they just have these pallets that are waiting to be shipped. Yeah. I could be totally wrong, but that's the impression I get based on uh, the lack of information. I know we're still a little less than two months away, but we're also only a little less than two months away.
0: Right. Because, you know, if this was a thing where uh, my – local store was, you know, not planning to do this and I needed to change that or, or I wanted to get them to try to do it. Like I, I would need to know, but now like, Oh, you really need to go talk to these people or you should be working with them to get this done. Or, you know, if my store was not doing it and I needed to travel somewhere on April 4th, right? you know, like I kind (laughs) of need to know that. Yeah. So and sorry about that really odd pause there. My computer was about to restart, so I had oh, to no. make it not restart. <laughs> Darn updates. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah. So I just find the timing of this a little odd. That April fourth. Okay, cool, fine. We're doing it that day. Have they said what tabletop day is? When tabletop day is? No, because they. I I'm, I don't know. I'm
1: gonna look it up right now because they changed it last year, like a month before it was supposed to happen. Right. Sorry for the clicking. Um, but this is now flux to Pose International Tabletop Day 2020. Uh, I bought one of those clicky keyboards, not ever thinking I'd be podcasting with it. And <laughs> now, now I have it.
0: Uh, and here we are.
1: Let's see. So they have it listed as April yeah, it's not. It's not actually.
0: Does it just say like April twenty twenty or something?
1: Yeah. So last year it was April like twenty fifth, and then they changed right. it to June first, like on a whim. So there's no date yet.
0: Okay. Um,
1: but I think I think the safe bet is June, uh, based on last year.
0: Right. I wasn't certain because I knew, like I said, I knew past years had been in April. Last year's was supposed to be in April and got changed. So I just didn't know if it potentially is going to conflict with this day. Uh, what do you think, though, of trying to kind of do this event? You know, there obviously there are events similar to these kind of, you know, free comic book day is a thing that is done yeah. at a lot of different places, and I, I maybe is created and scheduled from somewhere centrally. I have no idea, <laughs> but what do you think of trying to do this kind of conventionish thing, where hey, all of everyone go to your local friendly local gaming store on this particular day, and here's this cool opportunity that you're going to have. Do you think this is something that could succeed and do you think this is a way for them to try to push back against like online retailers
1: yeah I mean that's great for like small shops like uh, if, Bor- right. if Barnes and Noble decides to participate in this I don't know that that's great for what they're trying to do mm-hmm. um, but yeah what, what I like about this um, that's different than Tabletop Day International Tabletop Day was basically like go to your game store and ask for free stuff because we're going to have free promos So then game stores have to be like, well, now we have to organize an event so people aren't just coming in for free stuff. So now it's like, come to our store, play a board game, get a promo. Now they have to arrange for staff to teach board games, et cetera, et cetera. And now you're also getting people who don't really want to play games just there to get that Dead of Winter promo. Uh, So I think this – I like this better because it's driving business into your store – Specifically to get product now, Mm -hmm. uh. While it's not necessarily much different from a regular board game release, the thing that makes it different is that it's it's trying to recreate the convention atmosphere, which is the multiple hot games you want to get, so that you have something to talk about, and you get those bragging rights. Right? It's like getting a Kickstarter before it hits retail, like. I got Sonora, and now you're also doing their work for them, where you're providing word of mouth on a game before mm-hmm. it comes out. So now you go to Board Game Geek and if Sonoma or Sonora, or whatever Sonoma, Sonora, Sonora. If that game is yep. incredible, maybe now it's number one on the hot list because right. you know 350 people got their hands on it and they love it. But it also could work against them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I just think it's, it's interesting. garbage. <laughs> Because I kind of this almost feels like a magic pre-release event. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you've ever been to one. Yeah, but where you know you go, the the game isn't actually officially released for a week still, but you can go and get cards by just playing these specific events, and everyone's there to kind of participate in it. And then you go and you're like, oh, look at the cool stuff I have that no one else really has yet. Which you know, even though there was a hundred people at the pre-release, whatever. Uh, but. You kind of have this, hey, I have these cool things before I'm supposed to have them. I got to be part of this cool event to get this thing. I just wonder if that translates as well to board games. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't really know. But I think that's kind of what this feels like to me is a pre-release event. Um, But instead of just for Cosmic Encounter Duel, it's for these 11 board games that we're having this event for. Uh, What do you think the chances are that everything going on with China, with manufacturing, what do you think the chances are that in some way impacts this event,
1: yeah, I mean that's a problem right, with everything being made in the same part of the world, right uh so yeah I, I bet I wouldn't be surprised that we see some of these games just be like they like they're probably rushing right, they're hoping of mm-hmm. that these but by middle of March, they're probably going to have to, I would guess say a couple of the games aren't gonna be there, and maybe they're working with these companies to be like, well. Can you get us a different game
0: that you, you know,
1: or like, hey, hey, hey uh, day? what do you have in your warehouse that isn't selling? Let's market half price and, and say, This is our apology. We're going to give you, a, you know, a great price on this game, right? Like, they have to, if they're, it's just unfortunate. And I, I, I hope that the board game community understands what's happening right. enough at this point where they. Won't be riotous because the four games couldn't make it to btx
0: for sure. So here's my question for you: Then, hundred game stores. Let's say they hit exactly one hundred. Yeah. How many copies of each game do you think they will should <laughs> should have?
1: Well, should that's a great question. I don't know about should because, like, I I think that just depends on your market, right? I think a smart a smart thing for them to create demand, but not over like overestimate is like 10 to 15 copies of each game. Right. I don't think any more uh, is good for the company in case they don't sell well and any less is problematic for people waiting. I think that's a good number that people would would be like, okay, I get it. Like, and then you can limit, right? So like if you're a game store, be like, okay, listen, get in line. You can buy two out of the 10 titles and if you want to get back in line, go ahead. But, like, we're limiting this so people get a fair shot. And I know some places don't do that right? in general. So it really depends on, like, Free Comic Book Day, we're limited to five comics at my local comic shop. And, and the one that's 15 miles from my house, it's no limit. So it just right. depends on where you go.
0: Gotcha. So let's say they get 10 copies of each game. You know, for each company, that's a 1,000 games that right. they need to have. Uh, which is, you know, not bad. That that would be a, I think most people would say that's a, I, I think they probably do more than a thousand print runs, but a thousand games a print run. But that's not a horrible, you know, starting off point for your game. That means the store though, you know, for the 11 titles, that's 110 games that they're trying to sell that day. Does that sound like a lot?
1: Uh, well, for an event like this, I don't think so. I think the question is, do they let the these retailers choose their allotment? Right. And then... That's different, but yeah, if they're forcing a, uh, a retailer to buy 110 games, mm-hmm. maybe that's why they're having problems. Maybe I'm not saying they are. Maybe that could be a reason they would have problems getting retailers to sign up, right? Because that is like, what you know? Do they get to keep these on the shelf after this day? Can right. I go walk into my store on the on April 5th and
0: buy what they
1: didn't sell? Right. You know, or is this like, hey, pull them? after today
0: right right yeah because i just think about this and i kind of go both ways on it in the sense of say the each store has three copies of each game yeah you know is that they do say that they're going to have limited quantities is three too limited but also when i think about it as the typical board game store not an event day when they have a new game coming out do they often order more than three copies of it to sell
1: yeah, that's a you good know? question. Like, my store will let you um, – spe- like, if you know you want a game, you can pre-order right. it so they yep. have a better idea of how many they need. For sure. So, yeah. I mean, it also depends on the price of the game because, yeah, my my local game store has one copy of Fireball Island, but they have, you know, 40 copies of Joking Hazard. Like,
0: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So,
1: I think it also depends on, like, what their risk is uh, on the investment due.
0: Yeah. So – yeah, I think this is such a fascinating, interesting event. I hope it works out well. Uh, I do hope it goes well. I I'm gonna guess I'm probably if I'm going to want to participate in this, I would guess I'll have to drive to like Des Moines if this is gonna happen. Yeah. Um. So I I feel like I'd have to drive a couple hours because there, there's a chain in Des Moines that has like four stores in that that area that I could maybe see one of them participating in this. But man, I'm I'm just so interested. Part of me. Would want to go just I really want to see kind of how it's all set up and how it works and yeah. how many copies are limited quantities and all that stuff. So, all right, Josh, but this begs the question, mm. if we were going to create BWVG con. Yeah. Now this doesn't necessarily seem specifically like a con per se, but if we were going to create our own con, Josh, what's, what's a must? What, what do we have to have to ensure our cons success?
1: Well, I mean, location, right? We need to be accessible to the most people.
0: What's the answer to that, then? What is the best (laughs) location?
1: You know, I was thinking about that, and I don't know. Something tells me, like, um, what's in Indianapolis? Is that Gen Con? No, where's Gen Con? Gen Con. It has to be middle of the country, right? It has to be, you know, the sweet spot. So maybe, like, Colorado, I think, would be, like, a good Almost like the middle, uh, the exact middle of the country.
0: <laughs> almost, um, uh, um, yeah. I, we'll go. We'll use almost loosely almost. there. I think
1: there's about four states that kind of fit that profile. <laughs> um, I'll say Colorado is like in that area. I think would be pretty good. Um, that's because you also want to be somewhere that people travel to as a destination, not just for a convention. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff going on in Colorado, uh, so. I would I would say that you need that, and then you also need. Um, well, these are the obvious things, right? I think, um, but if we're talking like board, board game expos thing, is like you need something to draw people to your convent, convention or expo, and that is games. Right, and I think uh, when you look at Gen Con and um, uh, Essen. The the thing that separates them from other conventions is their buying conventions Mm -hmm. where people specifically show up to spend money and wait in line more than to play board games. So the biggest thing that board of video games con would have to decide is are we trying to set up a convention to provide hard to find exclusive games for people or are we trying to sell games Kind of like Pax Unplugged, but be more of a board game playing convention. Um, mm. I I lean to the playing aspect because I you know that's the fun the most fun for me. Uh huh. But as the other half of board with video games, what would you want it to be?
0: Well, just so you know, I mean, if if we really want to do this, <laughs> you look uh, up geographically
1: in the middle. Yeah, the <laughs> geographic
0: center of the United States <laughs> is in Kansas. I'm pretty close, Uh, Kyle. (laughs) Yeah, you're not that far off. No, for sure. For sure. Uh, Lebanon, Kansas.
1: Okay.
0: Well, it's approximately 2.6 miles northwest of Lebanon, Kansas. So I don't know how big Lebanon, Kansas is. I'm going to go with probably not very big. Uh, Let's see here. Lebanon, Kansas. Um, It has 218 people. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe we're not going to be able to have it there. Uh, The population has declined from its height uh, in, it looks like, uh, 1920. uh, 822 people lived there. So it's declined since then. It's (laughs) been rough times for Lebanon, Kansas. Thanks. Okay. So go with me on this adventure just for a moment. You stay in Colorado. And I think Colorado isn't a bad choice at all. You know, Denver, I'm assuming you were thinking Denver.
1: Probably surrounding because Denver is too
0: hopping. Okay. So some in the surrounding greater Denver area. Okay. So go with me on this one. I'm going. We're going. We want to have this board gaming convention. We want people to come play games, maybe buy games. We'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) We want it to be a place that has a large enough airport that people can easily get to. Yeah. Okay. We want it to be a place that, as you said, is pretty centrally located. Mm. We want to have it be a place where people maybe wouldn't think necessarily of going to, but then when they see it, hear about this thing, do a little bit of research, they're like, oh, that actually seems kind of like a cool place. Uh, You know, they have some good food, maybe some really cool breweries, that kind of stuff. Uh But they don't have so much stuff that people aren't going to be at the convention, right? Right.
1: Yeah, or that like they can't he, afford to go there.
0: Or they can't afford to go there, right? Like, maybe they come a day earlier, leave a day late because maybe like, they want to go to, like, the zoo or something, right? Yes. Josh, I'm telling you, the answer? The answer's Omaha.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing at Omaha?
1: It just sounds like someone from Iowa would suggest that.
0: Hey, <laughs> I'm not originally from Iowa, so oh. back up.
1: <laughs> someone currently living in Iowa would suggest Omaha. <laughs>
0: Actually the reason I selected Omaha is I have I have long believed every professional conference for like work should be in Omaha because it's affordable it's easy to get to yeah there's not so much stuff there that if you're there on the taxpayer's dime you're going to be like blowing taxpayer dollars on random <laughs> things and if you're there there's not so many things pulling you away from the conference that you're probably actually going to go to the conference and learn stuff rather than traveling for work and then Same. just going to whatever in Vegas.
1: Sounds boring, or is what you Disney mean. Disney
0: World. <laughs> no, it sounds like you're going there for a purpose and you're going to do the purpose that you're there for.
1: So it's boring.
0: The <laughs> conferences that are Vegas and Disney World. Come on, we know how long people are actually in those sessions. That's silly. Why are we even sending people to those places? That's anyway. Yes. So I vote Omaha, but then Colorado's fine.
1: Season. No, I can. We can make Omaha work. I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> all right. So I think, though, having a nice mix, if you could get, I think maybe like one or two companies that are going to come and maybe highlight a hot game, I think that's kind of all you need. I think just having a couple really cool things that are there, not that you know, not a Gen Con where people are literally running for games and it's like all the newest, latest, greatest, best games are released. But if you are like, hey, we're going to have these couple really hot games that are going to be available for sale. And then otherwise you have a third party retailer, someone like a cool stuff who's there just with a selection of a whole bunch of other stuff. Yep. Um, I think would be kind of a cool way to do it as a nice mix of like, hey, here's some incentive if you want to come. You'll have the opportunity to get this thing that is going to be hard to get by you know, get anyway, but you aren't coming necessarily and having to spend hundreds and hundreds of other dollars buying games like you do or feel obligated to do when you go to Gen Con. And then we have this killer library of games that you can play while we're here. To me, who has never been to a board game convention, feels like a good mix. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: No, you're on, you're on point. We also need a big announcement, like a a new game release. Right. Um, but what I think is more important, which we're, we need to include um video games
0: yeah we'll get there (laughs) this could be if it's if it it was in omaha it could be dice tower central
1: well let's be successful before we try to get dice tower
0: (laughs) to buy us out Ah, just say okay so how would you envision like so you want this to be kind of like i know obviously pax has like unplugged now but you know board games traditionally were a small part of pax do you want this to be a combination between the two board games and video games?
1: I wanted. Well, we if we're using our name, we have to. But I I wouldn't want it to be like PAX where we're having, um, necessarily like these big studios coming and and having you wait in line for hours to play their games. Right. For me, like the perfect, um, convention for that. So we have we have our board game people promoting digital content, mm-hmm. but our video game thing takes the best – some of my favorite part about PAXs, which is like the classic arcade um, where there's just a room full of arcade cabinets, uh, console free plays where there's just conference rooms full of um, game consoles set up on TVs, um, and then maybe games – new games that you can play, but they're just in like tournament-style rooms. So like, hey, this is the Halo room. This is our 32-player Halo tournament, but it's going – all day. You don't need to sign up in time to be part of the tournament. It's just like getting the sign. We let 64 people in or whatever, 32 people right. in. 10 minutes later, 32 more people come in, like things like right. that. Or it's more uh, the thing that I found uh, that I found and I haven't been to PAX East for a while, but I was only going for video games when I was originally going there. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of fell in love with board games while I was there, but it gets to be like so alienating to the game, like to a gamer, like because you, you have to, you not alienating. It's a it's a tough decision when you walk in there. Do you walk the whole floor to see what is there? Right. Or do you immediately park it in a line and never see the rest of the floor? Because I, sure. I put it in our Discord. Pax twenty twelve. Their evolve was there. Yeah. It was a four hour wait to play the yeah. game, and some people only go for one day. Right. And that wasn't even on a Saturday or a Sunday. That was right. on a Friday when people were working. So, so how will
0: the line for uh, for The Last of Us Part 2 be?
1: Exactly. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like next weekend. Next weekend? Yeah. Or the weekend after. Uh, so that's I want to eliminate that. Um, that would be my goal. I mean, there's ways to do that. I don't know what that would be. Right. Um, but I would like to eliminate the theme park aspect to video games. Uh So maybe it's not this game that isn't coming out for two years. Maybe it's more like the board game thing where it's like hey, here's this game that's coming out in three months and we have a hundred copies of it in boots ready to go. So you're not waiting more than ten minutes to play a game.
0: Right. I like that. I like that a lot. I think having the arcade room is very cool. Um, I Um That seems like it'd be great. Console room, whatever tournaments, all that stuff seems cool. I think, Josh, w- you know, if we're going to assert this thing and, and set ourselves apart, we have to have something that no one else has, right? Jeff Keeley. Well, no, he just E3 doesn't have him. <laughs> That's all. Um, okay, go with me on another journey is in it back Omaha. To Omaha? Ne- <laughs> <laughs> yourself in Omaha, Nebraska. All right. Oh, and...
1: Man, I'm so depressed.
0: <laughs> Dude, Omaha is actually really nice. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm um... sorry, Drew,
1: if we have any <laughs> listeners in Omaha. I'm kidding.
0: Uh-oh. It Omaha reminds me a lot of Fargo in the sense of uh, it's obviously way bigger than Fargo. But when I lived in Fargo, I moved to Fargo being like, I'm not going to stay in this town. And then I absolutely fell in love with it. and It was a great town. And I feel like Omaha is the same thing where you hear Omaha and you're like, no way. And then you go there. You're like, actually, this is a really cool town. Anyway, um, imagine. Okay. We take the idea. Of Have you heard of these events where they mix boxing and chess?
1: Yes, yes, I have, actually. Okay,
0: (laughs) we're going to do that, but instead of boxing and chess, we're going to pick a video game and a board game. And it's going to be a tournament where players play against each other a video game, and then they switch and they play a board game. And I don't know exactly, I I obviously haven't... Mortal
1: Kombat Pandemic.
0: Yeah, something like that. It's going to be Mortal Pandemic. Mortal Or Pandemic Combat or something (laughs) like that. But I think we should. It would be cool to have something like that, where you could enter a tournament where you are playing both video games and board games during the tournament, um, and then that way you could become and crown the one true gamer, or whatever we want the title to be, <laughs> in in after you win video games and board games. That'd be kind of cool, right?
1: I think so. And then we need to get an Overwatch League to our convention.
0: Yes, I'm down for Overwatch League like an, convention. Like an
1: exhibition Overwatch League match.
0: That'd be cool. I'd be down for that.
1: Who's the Omaha team?
0: There is no Omaha team. Josh, stop it. <laughs> yeah, go talk about how good your Boston Uprising are, okay? The answer, Josh, that you don't know is not very good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
1: I mean, I, I know that my local gaming tavern was showing the games live, so I did not yeah. go to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're they're not anticipated to to do Super Swell this year. They're not. Um, and their their first games have shown that they're probably not going to be that great. But we have but a But they team. could get better. Who But knows? we have a team. You do have a team. That's true. You do have a team. <laughs>
1: the just Omaha of... Steaks.
0: Oh, man. That would be just <laughs> a good
1: name. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, oh, oh! That would be pretty good. I mean, I think the Vegas Steaks would be maybe a better team.
1: No, don't know. Omaha Steaks is pretty good. <laughs> I know. It is.
0: But they're S-T-E-A-K. And yeah. Vegas, you know. So the Vegas made...
1: Steaks, S-T-E-A-K-S.
0: Well, but the Stakes, you also bet Steaks. <laughs> I know. You know. Flip it.
1: Stakes and Stakes, come on Come with me on this journey to Omaha
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so how much do you think it would cost to run an event like this? To run an event
1: like this? We're not going to pay for it, we're going to get sponsors Who is sponsoring So the money isn't our problem (laughs) Asthma Day
0: Asthma Day, okay So we don't have to worry about anyone else (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they spent all their money buying studios So I don't know how much money they're going to have for this event
1: it's Asma Day presents board of video games the con. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. <laughs> that doesn't sound good at all. That
0: doesn't sound good at all. So, Josh, what do you? And I, this is kind of offshoot of this, but connected. You know, they have talked a lot about E three oh, yeah. transitioning and changing to what is now going to be. It sounds like a more consumer facing show, but not fully going consumer facing. Um, oh. What do you think is the sweet spot when it comes to, you know, local shows who do these kind of cool things for events but can't necessarily always get, like, the big, big names and the big, big things, right? Versus, you know, your PAX Easts and things like that because those are never going to be accessible to everyone, right? Like, not everyone can go to a PAX show. Like, there isn't one that's close to me at all.
1: I just looked up the cost of PAX East now. Yeah. It would cost, for me and my wife to go, it would cost us over $500 just for tickets.
0: You know. That's a, insane. And, right. And I'm not saying, obviously, things are expensive. There's an ex- a cost to stuff. Like, I totally get that. Yeah. But what do you think it is that makes something like those homegrown cons that get, you know, two, three hundred people to them? What do you think? Is it just the opportunity to play games with people who also want to play games? Like, what is it that you think that makes those successful?
1: You know it's interesting because I did go to that Total Con where I met Emerson, right. and it's yeah. very, very small. It's in a uh, a very, a very small uh, hotel like convention area, like with like meeting rooms, conference rooms, and mm-hmm. um, it's not overly crowded. There's but what you do see is it's just people going there to play board games, and some of them aren't out yet, and uh, there was a lot of there were a lot of people there that were bringing their own game okay. to have it tested out and that's what Emerson does. He goes there um and he walks around and he plays other people's games. In fact, the game I played with Emerson is on uh-huh. Kickstarter now oh okay. um, called Chiselled so it's interesting to see so that that guy clearly he brought it to that con last year and you know he he got Emerson's advice and his input and he probably took some of that to make his game better. Right. Um, so you see that, and they did have panels, like there was like a designing games panels, but it's very, very it's one tenth of PAX Unplugged. It's right. It's actually that's not even fa- that's not fair. It's one fiftieth of PAX Unplugged. Um but it's very like um I'm gonna date myself here. Um it's like when I used to go to computer shows when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um there were huge ones and then there were very small ones so you could go right. to uh, like the convent local um uh thea- like the local sport like not the the local concert venue like like the, right. their convention center and it would be the whole thing full or you go to a vcas banquet room and it's the mm-hmm. same group of people just obviously smaller selling computer parts and cd rom games like that's more along the lines of what these small cons feel like. And I right. think why they're successful is you don't th- – where this hobby is, it can be very um, – while it's it's designed to make people uh, more conversational, it's very siloed, I think. And right. people that play these games are very closed off from large groups of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes these more appealing to these groups of people is they know – that the people that are going, while there aren't m- many, they all share the same um, likes. Like, they right. know, I'm going to this convention, and I know everyone here likes board games like me. Right. And like a PAX East, it's a little v- more varied.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've thought long ab- and hard about getting more involved because there's a couple uh, smaller conventions that are run locally here. Even some of the ones in Minneapolis are pretty small. And I- I've thought about getting more involved with those. And at this point, I just have never – and not that – and this is probably going to sound bad. I don't mean to do. my time is taken up enough with, like, doing this podcast and everything with that and trying to, like, play games and stay current just to have things to talk about. Yeah. Um, that, like, adding another thing on there for my, quote, unquote, free time. It uh, seems very daunting, and I really wonder how those in PSVG who have kids do these things uh, because, yeah. my goodness. Um, but, yeah, I just I think it's a really cool thing, and, and I think having a small group of people who are committed, um, I have a friend who, or I guess probably more of an acquaintance now, um, who played a ton of, and I've talked about this a little bit before on the show, played a lot of Warhammer and a lot of miniatures games like that and regularly traveled to... Uh, adepticon and like all of those you know warhammer uh, events that happen and you know there'd be at the big ones a couple hundred people there but they would go to small ones um, that would have 50, 60, 70 people, but they were all there to play some Warhammer, and they were really excited about it, you know? And it's just kind of cool to be part of something like that, that you have these groups of people who drive for eight hours to come to this thing, and they're just going to put some dudes on some tables and push them at each other for for two (laughs) days and then drive home. And they're really excited about it, you know? So... And I think that is one of the things that I think we lose with video games since everything is just right at our fingertips. Um, the, the investment in the experience is so much less, right? Yeah. I didn't I didn't have, like, people don't realize that for, like, sanctioned Warhammer events, like, you have to have your miniatures painted. If they're not, they can't be on the table. Oh, you know, wow. so think about just how much a, another level of barrier that that presents to itself of how committed you have to be to this hobby if you're going to actively pursue it like that, you yeah. know? So. Uh, I I just think that the barrier to entry there and the commitment to the from to those people from those people is so I'm actually really impressed by it that they can are so committed to one thing like that where I'm like oh this is cool and this is cool and this is cool and then I'm not really great at any of them you know like, yeah so but awesome. that's what I like
1: cool. about cons they don't have to be for everyone they they right. have this thing where they can be for very specific groups of people as long as there are enough of those people
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> definitely true. Alright, Josh, anything you want to say about the board with video game, the con? <laughs> before we kind of start wrapping the show up?
1: Just pipe dreams, my friend, but it's nice to think about sometimes. And you know, uh the more things I the more of the cons I go to, the better more I like the more I can appreciate the good things and and the easier it is to see the not-so-good things.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you there, man. Definitely hear you. All right. Well, that is going to kind of wrap things up, so we'll kind of move towards home here. Uh, we did not email out for questions or t- email out. We did not uh, message out for questions this week. Um, again, ran into some scheduled difficulties with the guest, but don't worry. that Those scheduling difficulties will be resolved. We do promise. Uh, we're working hard for that, so... I didn't want to ask ask for questions and then have it not work out. And unfortunately it didn't work out. So we're just gonna move on to our recommendations for a well rounded life. Um and obviously we are clearly a gaming podcast. We do want to give you one recommendation for a thing we're currently into that's helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our dear listeners?
1: This one hurt. This one hurt, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in the notes because I don't I sometimes leave them blank and um <laughs>
0: Which is hard, because sometimes I try to go back and be like, what did he talk yeah, about? Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I, need to
1: f- I need to put it in.
0: <laughs> so,
1: uh, last week I talked about uh, how we were going to go to uh, Dice Tower Cruise. Yeah. And we were very excited. And I still would love to go to Dice Tower Cruise, but you know what? We got credit card bills to pay. And while we typically like to do fun things with our tax return, yeah, typically... Uh, this is the smartest decision I talked to my wife this morning literally because I was thinking about it over the past couple of days and this doesn't mean we can't take a vacation this year we already are actually are taking a vacation this year but it's with you know family my my folks so it's a little different right. um instead of the instead of doing the dice talkers we are just going to take that same amount of money we'll split it between the two of us and we're i'm we're going to decide how we want to spend it but my suggestion was to pay off some of our debt, which I think is the responsible adult thing for that me is. to do. Um, she also wants to get her wedding band resized. So, like I said, okay, take that money that you want for that and do that. But then put the rest <laughs> onto your credit card. And then, you know, we had the conversation of I've never asked her how many she has and how much she owes. And then that happened. And then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You need to pay those and get rid of one of those. <laughs> but yeah, so um, while it is a bummer that we won't be doing packs Unplugged or Dice Tower Cruise now, uh, I think we are kind of spoiling ourselves a little bit too much. And this year, we're going to be responsible. We're going to take that money and pay off our debts, some of our debts. So I would say, if you're listening, this seems kind of obvious for a well-rounded life. I think it's real easy to ignore this step, though. Yeah, it is. So just do something a bit more responsible than you think you're doing. Like, you're like, oh, I'm going to go splurge on this fill-in-the-blank. Well, maybe get something a little lesser and pay off a bill or, you know, help someone out. Something like that. I hear ya. It's not a fun <laughs> one, but it is something that will help us.
0: Well, it was interesting because I... uh Le- since I switched positions and, and went to a new, uh, and went to work at a different school, uh, in January, um, I got I was I'm fortunate that my previous position paid out my remaining vacation. Yeah. Um, and I didn't take vacation very often, <laughs> um, so I got a pretty sizable chunk of money, uh, like way more than I would typically get in a paycheck, and I was very proud of myself because immediately I was like, oh, what are all the things I can get? Yeah. And I did splurge a little bit in that I set aside some money for paying for the PS5, but then everything else either went to debt or savings. And I am not like, and I'm just basically ignoring the fact that I got this money because it would have been super easy to be like, oh, I could do this and this. And I've been meaning and wanting to do this. Um, My treat to myself was paying for the PS5 and then everything else went to paying off debt or went into savings. And I was very proud of myself because that is 100% not like me. Good for you. That's great. (laughs) So I was pretty stoked. Uh, So, yes, I echo uh, Josh's recommendation of being responsible. Uh, My recommendation is something a little less responsible, I guess. Uh, There is a docu-series because I got to, you know, stay. Oh, number one, did you see that uh, volume three of The Chef Show is coming out? I'm
1: so excited. This week, I think, right? I don't remember the date, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, like when, Tuesday or Wednesday this Googling.
1: week. Googling. Also,
0: <laughs> did you see that finally season two of Ugly Delicious is coming in early March?
1: Oh, I didn't see that. That's yeah. awesome.
0: I know. Oh, so, so excited for season two of Ugly Delicious early March for that one. Anyway, though, on Netflix, my recommendation is this docuseries called The Pharmacist. Uh, it is very interesting because it starts off as a pretty typical whodunit It. Type of uh, documentary Of uh, very sadly A pharmacist who works in And lives in New Orleans His son is murdered And you know Obviously all docu-series are going to angle things One way or the other Basically the angle this document this documentary takes Is that the police basically don't care um, That he was Killed in a drug deal gone wrong He shouldn't have been there in the first place Whatever he got what well, his just desserts, if you would. Um, but the father, the pharmacist in this situation, does not let it, leave it, go. Um, and he continues to pursue the case uh, in order to try to bring his son's murder to justice. Now, number one, I think that what this shows you is the extent someone is willing to go to um, in order, when they are stricken by grief and sadness, in order to get something resolved. And I will say, potentially... Maybe not in a positive way, which yeah. is, I think, something that to watch. Number two, this docuseries takes a pretty significant twist after the first episode that I did not see coming, even though I kind of watched the preview and thought I was like, oh, this is interesting. If you don't watch the preview at all, this thing turns. pretty significantly about what this pharmacist then goes on to do. Um, But it's very, very interesting. It's a pretty compelling story. Um, So I definitely recommend it. It's four episodes, I think, each about an hour long. So about four hours total of your time. Uh, But a very interesting take and a very interesting look at some pretty hard topics and things like that in our society right now. That is The Pharmacist on Netflix. Nice. Josh! What do you say we wrap this show up, sir?
1: Let's do it. Uh, Chef Show is by uh, the 19th, by the way, Wednesday. Oh, nice. Volume 3 okay um thanks for joining us everyone in addition to finding us on Twitter and instagram at board with 3G you can find us on facebook at facebook.com board with fiji so feel free to give us a five star rating over there this one's for the one half speed listeners also if you want to communicate in more long form and you're not feeling social media feel free to email us at board with vg at gmail.com we tag our stuff with board with hashtag board with 3G so please use that hashtag as well on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network why is so serious that's s-i-r-r-i-u-s rest in peace stadia kyle where can people find you
0: <laughs> you can find me on all the usual places twitter instagram playstation network xbox live BoardGameGeek, game geek all at psycho cross C-Y-C-I- Whoa, my gosh i messed that up bad c-y-c-o-c-r-o-s-s uh as always if you have any suggestions for future topics be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about remember metaspring going on right now bit.ly slash Metaspring, bit.ly dot L-Y slash M-E-T-A-S-P-R-I-N-G, all lowercase. We love your entry. You can win some awesome prizes. Please be sure to get those in. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.